0: Well, you write a lot about value streams and the old software process and things like that. And I was, as I was reading through a lot of your systems, your systems, as I was reading through a lot of your stuff, I was thinking, this is be, this is going to be a great opportunity to get someone to extensively discuss the concept of waste, which oh, I think yeah. is just like, it's just like a very, like, it seems, you know, to, to do the very short version, it seems like even to try to be overly clever, it seems like activities that people... Don't want to do that. Don't really add very much value to whatever goal they have. That's very vague and whatever. But like, I feel like especially when it comes to using software to do whatever, <laughs> right? Like, like <laughs> more so more so than just like developing. Zoom, the software. zoom
1: further out, Kota. You yeah, gotta... yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: now, you're, you know, too, not be too specific not,
0: not just like, not just like writing the software or deploying the software, but like any process that you have that depends on your own software to operate, right? Like, it seems like there's a lot to be said about what waste is. And, and then before, before I I hand it over to ask you, you know, what waste is, it seems like, I know this isn't accurate, but it seems like if there was like one to three things you would choose to focus on to make things better. Waste would be one of them. I don't know what the other two potentially are, but it seems yeah. like, it seems like the thing, you know, you could, I I always like to discard software must work. Like that's always, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually needs to function. So there's that. Uh, but like, as far as other things, like it seems, uh, I don't know, it seems very high up there. So all of that said, when, what exactly is waste in this concept? <laughs>
1: Well, it's, it's interesting because, I, I, like, yes, it, it certainly encompasses stuff that you don't want to do if that stuff doesn't add value. Mm. Because a lot of things that are really valuable, we still don't want to do them.
0: Yeah. As, as I was saying that, I was thinking that's not the right criteria.
1: The, the other <laughs> thing is, like, one of the things I will say, like, my first encounter with... I think the most consequential waste is when I was an engineer and I was working on stuff that I thought was super important and I'm struggling away in, you know, in isolation, because I didn't want to share the fact that I hadn't made progress and I was struggling. huh. And, and this is like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stand up like configuration management in a, in a fast moving startup. And, um, and I, you know, I didn't realize that I was just wasting all of my time and I wasn't doing anything that was ultimately delivering values of the organization. Cause the engineers that I was building this automation for were fine with the thing that they were doing. They knew it, it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. They knew the failure modes. They knew how to fix it when it broke. And I was trying to build this new shiny gold-plated system that would remove all the, you know, from my perspective, waste and toil in the system and build something that was more resilient and scalable. And, you know, the delay between picking that goal and going to work and, delivering ultimately delivering something to the organization meant that I'd like departed from any kind of customer value from, from the organization's perspective. Right. My Mm -hmm. customer was the developers in, in the company. And so I had this like reconciliation moment where I was like, here's what I've got. It's not perfect, but it does X, Y, Z. And at no point had I talked to one of these engineers. I hadn't sat shoulder to shoulder with them. I hadn't presented a plan. I just kind of went to work. Cause I was like, I know what's valuable. I know what everybody needs. I know what I need. And so the waste in that context was just doing the wrong thing. And I could have been <laughs> right. doing it the right way, but I was like running in the wrong direction. And you know, my, my lack of success was actually uh, like, less consequential than if I delivered exactly what I wanted, I would have built a gold-plated brick that would serve as a doorstop, you know? Sure. So at some point, I was like, here's this thing. It's not quite working. But they're like, well, that's good because we're throwing it away. It's, it's completely useless. Uh-huh. We're going to be doing this thing over here.
0: Yeah, you know, it's making me think. So, so tell tell me what you think of this. If if we were to try to uh, break down waste again in this context into a couple of things, uh, a couple few things, if that's a phrase, uh, <laughs> so. uh, that's, that's 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 that seems like uh, some medieval talk for like two or three score. <laughs> that's and you right. Say like I don't know what what would that be forty or sixty? I forget what a score is. Uh, but score fourteen is it? I don't know. Yeah. We should look this up. I I have no idea. Maybe I'm Uh, thinking of
1: a fortnight.
0: Oh, fortnight is definitely 14, two weeks. Mm. Yes. I don't know where that came from. Uh, the word agile estimation, I think. Oh, there you go. So it's, there's one type of waste, which, and this type of waste is one of the more interesting and, and that is what you built was not useful. And and there's a new there's there's a there's a further subdivision in there of it it didn't function it did it did, it wasn't good enough to be useful like it didn't fit the problem that you had and then there's the one that you were kind of describing which is like it was fantastic but you solved the wrong problem uh-huh. <laughs> right and so like that's like this waste of like good genuine labor right as as you were describing right. the golden doorstop. Right. And yeah. then and then there's also the waste of like and I think this is this is the one that I think we were most familiar with. There's just like this could have been automated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like like that. That should have just been uh, taken care of. And then and then I guess there's like there's like malicious waste where like I'm not going to do that. Like I'm, I'm going to go like, you know, do something else instead of this. <laughs> so like I'm, I'm kind of like and I guess there's even a variation there where there's like. And th- maybe this gets, a, I don't mean to be the one like lecturing here. I was just excited to like uh, talk about this, this waste stuff. There's, there's, there's like this, the negative part of product productivity is this weird phrase nowadays, but I think there's a type of waste from management's perspective, which is this worker gave me what I wanted, but they only had to do it in half the time that I thought they did. And then they mm-hmm. were home and it's like, oh, I should have gotten more.
1: right (laughs) yeah exactly versus Uh, just
0: like just like versus just like the worker just being like i'm not i'm
1: gonna leave work
0: early who cares right like it's kind of like i don't know but those are things that like run around in my head as far as like types of waste
1: that is tough i mean yeah so there's kind of like i guess slack in the system you could Mm. think of as waste but you have to think about utilization in that case, right? I mean, slack, yeah. there's a certain degree of slack that's very helpful. And sure. associated with resilience, right, especially over a long period of time. You know, if you flip a coin, and it comes up heads every single time, then, you know, you, then you bet your house on the fact that it's going to come up heads, like, that's not it. It's, it's, it's a very poor strategy. Mm. So like, to a degree, a, a waste can be valuable, and it's very difficult to say that any particular usage of time is wasteful, right? I mean, if the best ideas come in the shower, then you know, listening to a podcast while you're in the shower so that you maximize the utilization of your time, uh-huh. maybe, you know, maybe entirely wasteful, right? So, like. I guess, I guess one of the most important things to mention here is that just like value is subjective, like waste is also subjective. Yeah. And it's subject to, like a temporal dimension, like it's the period of time matters, like, like, how long are we talking when we're talking about something, because something might pay off in the long run. Right. And this idea of like, full utilization is just like a symptom. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a leading cause of fragility in a lot of cases, because a Slack allows you to pivot, allows you to make up time if anything goes wrong. So I think, you know, the engineer who finishes something in half the time, you know, if they, if they hand over the work early and there's an understanding in the organization that, we're going to use the extra time to make sure that it's great. And maybe there's changes that we can make. You know, if you're kind of using an SLA to its fullest extent and saying, I'm going to use all the time uh, because every time I highlight slack, it gets eliminated. That's kind of like a pathological response to like available capacity Yeah, where, you know, you could use that capacity for, much more valuable purposes like let's let's go further let's test this under circumstances that we wouldn't ordinarily test it uh let's send it to customers early and get some early feedback and maybe have a chance to uh improve it like i think there's a lot of those things that that engineer would agree with and they might rather do than go home and do nothing like for sure we kind of we like we like to work we like to be productive we're not always trying to like finish everything and and go home and and do do something else
0: yeah yeah you know, i i like that you brought up uh you know slack which which is a uh an old you know it, it means something entirely different nowadays <laughs> chatting and stuff but like wait but before that time it was a uh i don't know I, I forget i forget which which one of the the uh you know the ancient the elders of agile wrote that slack book but it was one of uh it was one of those mm. concepts that like kind of was seemed really nice and sort of well of course it seemed nice for an individual but it kind of went by the wayside and and like i've i've been thinking i've been thinking a lot recently among many other things in my life but every now and then congratulations in the shower, yeah in, in in the shower as it were like oh yeah of of trying to draw figure out this distinction between between like productive output and having a, a reliable capability, even if you're doing nothing with that capability, right? and 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 you know, you were kind of we've we've kind of brought up a few things, but it's sort of like like the example I was thinking about the other day is like uh, you know, I had to renew some medicine I had. and And I was thinking, like, I don't really know if my pharmacy like needs to update their software every week. Like, of course, if Ooh. there's a problem, Or like there's some regulation, or all those things, right? Like, you know, if if the screws in your building are rotting out, you got to go replace those. No problem, right? Just to be Mm. metaphoric, but like, they probably don't actually need to do that much. However, if some new law gets passed and they have like 30 days to do it, which would be unrealistic, but whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, they have 90 days to do it, then they're going to need the capability, right? (laughs) And so like it's you know so. it's it's almost like I don't know I don't really know what to do that with that in the software world because we're so focused on like productivity and like getting value and all of that that the idea of just like yeah but we don't need to do anything right now but we will sometime like it's a, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how you account for that so to speak
1: Yeah I mean there's there is a you know there's the dimension of urgency that kind of adds adds color to this. Like cost of delay is something that's very real and Mm. almost not understood by anyone. Right. I mean, we're very, very bad about pulling the future forward and quantifying it in any way, like quantifying the difference between doing something now and doing something later. One of the lean principles is, is like decide as late as possible. Right. And that's kind of very compatible with the agile world of like, let's do things when we have, you know, sufficient information and capability and availability capacity, all these things. Um, There is, you know, I think it's very, I think it's very important to think about your ability to respond. Right. So like in the pharmacy sense, the fact that you don't need under normal circumstances to adjust to any kind of eventuality that might arise uh is one it you know is is one thing that's one that's one condition to optimize for but if you pull too far in that that kind of uh common cause variation um to to talk you know in deming speak which we probably shouldn't but like if you're optimizing for like ideal circumstances or even the status quo, ignoring the fact that there are disruptive occurrences that happen periodically, you're going to have a bad time, right? It's just a matter of when that coin flip comes up against you. So I think it is really, really important. But then there's there's also like, consider the fact that a lot of places will have, well, they used to more than now have like fully duplicated capacity, right? And like a secondary data center mm. that's just running, waiting all day for like something to happen. And then what happens is it's waiting and sitting around for so long that all the staff who know how it works and all the documentation gets stale or, you know, moves on to something else or just becomes incoherent. And at the moment you have to leverage that, capacity or capability, like nobody can actually do it. Right? Mm. So like, that's, that's like double waste, right? It's like, not only are you paying for the thing, but you you're relying on it and you can't use it in their time of need. So you've, you kind of have to have this capability and capacity. But uh, it can't just be like a checkbox, it has to be something that you, you know, you've kind of um that's available to you to utilize if you need yeah
0: yeah you're making me i i i like i like the 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 way you're going with that that coin flip thing like in 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 the sense of it 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 is kind of a vivid way to imagine like you assume the future will be like the past and and you make big plans on that and so you know and and this capacity thing is kind of like this like ah we haven't had to update our app in three years right like it People call in, they renew their, their, uh, their drugs, they get them done. <laughs> right. And so there, and so therefore we can make plans based on that instead of like, uh, but you know, the, the, uh, the coin flick makes it more, uh, but
1: we like, we, we, we both work with banks and, and large like financial institutions. We work with a lot of these companies that have these regulations that come down the pipe and, you know, you were saying it's not going to be 30 days or whatever, but even when it's 18 months, the the banks are always like, should we just pay the penalty like ju- <laughs> <laughs> right. 18 months that's pretty tight like because it's not just 18 months right it's 18 months that's already allocated and account yeah they're already yeah. at full capacity So I think that adds a really interesting dimension to this is like you you know this this utilization and capacity challenge is something that really um, really bites us because we don't like to have Slack, you know, and Slack doesn't work for the books. And so,
0: so, you know, I want to get to the, the other side of waste, which, which is value, but why don't you introduce yourself first? How, That's how are you right. able to, uh, to opine for some 20 minutes about what waste is? <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, it, it, it really comes from that initial experience of, of wasting a lot of time and effort. Um, you know I really developed a visceral sense of waste by you know by by producing it a lot and then being confronted with the fact that i I produced a lot of waste. and so I kind of that that kind of brought me to um, the world of process and flow and mm. and value streams, um, partially also because I am i I'm a very non-systematic person. Like I find myself, I love Slack. I love to think in the shower. I love long walks. Uh, and I'm, I'm a very non, I would say very non type a person. So I've always kind of been fascinated with systems and, you know, the trains running on time and how all that works. So I, I kind of, um, got into systems and build and release engineering, uh, very, very long time ago, coming out of it and tech support. And, um, so this is like over, over more than two decades, found my way to kind of running, uh, a B2B enterprise SaaS company and having to, you know, lead teams and lead an organization. Uh, and deal with the fact that we were always over capacity. So mm. I, I, I kind of stumbled into value streams and value stream mapping as a way of improving performance, increasing capacity, reducing waste, um, helping my team like get unblocked and, you know, through conversations with other leaders and, and folks all over organizations just found that that's something that we all know we have to do. And, and there's very, there's no time to do it. And there's not a lot of guidance on, on doing it efficient, efficiently and effectively. Um, so, so I've kind of spent a lot of time in that, in that domain for the purpose of making it easy to kind of unblock flow in organizations.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and di- you've uh, you you named your uh, like consultancy after value streams or something,
1: right? What's what's the name of it? Yeah, it's called Visible Value Stream Consulting because yeah. I think the visibility is is really the first thing that unlocks people's understanding of like what's happening, what's where the waste is, where the issues are, where the opportunities are. So uh, I'm a big fan of visibility.
0: So like here's here's like i uh, you know i was saying we could go over basic definitions of things but but when as you're going over that you've got i think you've got a great perspective on a few things that always like uh consternate me in the shower or out when i'm thinking i uh, you know I, I a similar just like uh idle mind of uh productivity so to speak cool. uh but like it seems like and 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 it'd be great to like know you're thinking on this stuff with all of the various companies you work with. So it seems like if you go over with like what, one of the great things is about like value stream mapping and making them visible to your point. I mean, that's often, I think, I think right, it's great to use that word. Cause that's your first problem is just awareness mm-hmm. or visibility of this stuff. But it seems like when you go over what that is kind of intuitively, everyone is like, yep, that sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right and then and then you hit up against that problem of we don't have time to do it or something right and right. like it is like there's that old saying that like you know the most uncommon thing is common sense or whatever and like oftentimes someone like you would be brought in because someone is having an issue <laughs> do, do doing a value stream right like But, like, why does it seem so difficult to do what seems like a great idea? I mean, that's it seems kind of like a naive question, but I don't know if I've ever come across an answer. Well, I think
1: what what the issues are, I think it's pretty timeless, right? It's not a business thing because the same thing applies to like diet and exercise and, you know, um, everything in life. I think goes back to that earlier point about pulling the future forward, right? If we could sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, think about the Christmas carol where we have kind of the ghost of Christmas future and we could see, okay, well, if we carry on the way that we're carrying on, here's how it ends up, Mm -hmm. then it's much easier the next day to wake up and say like, I'm, we're changing everything, right? Like, you there, buy me a, a turkey or however the story goes. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> the, that that you know that that visibility of the future on our current trajectory is what catalyzes the change in the present moment, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some people are better at that than others, right? Some people spend a lot of their time in the future. There's even, I think, cultures and languages that spend more time in the future than in the present or the past, right? That's weird. And it's, that's different, different territory, but the fundamental problem is we're very bad at sort of looking ahead and saying, if we carry on the way that we're carrying on, this is not going well and we should probably, you know, correct course today. Uh, and that's a really, that's a very real problem that I think affects every kind of change initiative and effort. And I'm not aiming to solve that because I'm'm I'm, I'm, it's not my place to solve it. So what I've done in kind of response to that is shrink value stream mapping and shrink all of this stuff to fit into the slack that we have. So what I wanted to to do to account for that is remove the time objection and requirement. To say, Mm. if you have 60 minutes or an extended lunch meeting, or, you know, if you have time for a retrospective fit value stream mapping into that time box, and now you've removed that like common hurdle of we'd we'd love to do it, but we don't at the time. So I think, you know, rather than say, well, you're just going to have to block out two days and, And that's the cost of entry, you know, my approach has always been, how do I make this accessible? How do I meet people where they are? How do I make it fit into the time that's available? And I think it's also helpful because, you know, that Parkinson's law is something that I reference all the time, or I think about all the time. The idea that like, everything will happen in the space that's available for it to happen, right? You'll, you'll finish everything right before the deadline, 99% of the time. Or, you know, the, the pessimistic version of Parkinson's Law is just that like, if you have something that takes five minutes, it's gonna take an hour, if you have an hour to take. But right. I kind of, I like to think about the, the inverse of that, of saying that if you time box something, if you shrink it, and you make it possible to fit it into that time box. Then, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a a very motivating factor in that deadline, that end of the time box, that can work in your favor and kind of act as a forcing function, like an enabling constraint.
0: Yeah. Now that makes sense. And and, and I, th- I think what you uh, what you laid out there, like it's it's uh it's useful you know there's you start with this principle of like i i don't know a uh, uh i mean you you said it well enough but to try to say it you know in another way like people don't really value optimizing for the future too much like like are changing things they're doing right like the example i always use is like flossing like we all mm-hmm. know we should be doing that multiple times a day and i'm pretty sure we don't Well,
1: the (laughs) the other thing that, you know, that we touched on earlier was this idea that if you can do something in half the time in the wrong organization, that's usually used to your disadvantage, right? It's not Mm, usually celebrated and, you know, you're not rewarded for taking less time or doing something more efficiently. The, the, the end result is usually that you get less budget. Your expectations are raised um slack is driven out of the system. So in you know in a lot of organizations i think that the common management paradigm uh actually works against improvement because there's mm. n- there's not a positive response to improvement.
0: So what do you do you think do you think that you know going on with kind of like the 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 default disposition of people in a uh, a large enterprise the the kind of people that we work with, it seems like most and people. I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but collectively, like there's not a lot of thought put into like engineering how the work is done. Mm-hmm. You sort of like move into a steady state, and that seems to be like that. And and I say that because it, it seems like when you you know when you first encounter and re encounter like actual like lean manufacturing and assembly line things. Like one of the things that's, well, maybe it's not easy to overlook, but one of the things that stands out is like, wow, everyone's always figuring out if they should change stuff to do it better, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like, and to me, that's a very, like, I mean, I'm not an engineer, but that feels like what an engineer does, like versus a scientist, right? Who's trying to discover like the one thing, but an engineer is just like, I don't know. Let's see if this works better, (laughs) right? Right. You know, and, and so. But, you know, when I've when I've worked with people in the past, like it's really hard to introduce this idea of like whether it's in work life or personal life. It's just like we should engineer what we do as much as possible, not to make golden door stops, but mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe we should change the way we do things.
1: I think that it's very rare um, and that, you know, that engineering as problem solving is very much the, you know, the framing that I was thinking of when I came up with the term flow engineering for like the, the work that I do, um, because it really is about, you know, solving flow problems with, you know, classical engineering methodology. But, um, you know, it's, it's not often that you hear about things like, like Satyala Nadella, uh, I think in 2000, two or three or something said that if you have a choice between developing new features and improving developer productivity improve developer productivity like that was that was a very profound and rare statement at the time and i st- i don't think it's actually taken hold elsewhere and maybe not even across microsoft as a you know as a fundamental principle but i think that it's it's pretty profound. And I think it's very consequential to think in that direction. Like if you can, if you have a choice between doing something and doing what you do better, you should invest in doing what you do better. Mm. Um, that's that, that I think is a very rare sentiment and it might be rare because of those things, those kind of organizational antibodies or culture that says that we're going to drive out slack. Um, we're going to capitalize on efficiency gains. And most of this is not going to work in the favor of the contributors.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, it does seem like, well, well. here's a question. Well, we will see that it's a question when I ask it. But, like, do you, you know, if if you've ever done work with large government organizations do they operate do they does it is it similar like the issues they deal with and i ask that to do my old question than a statement thing because it seems like a lot of you know we're a lot of the pressures you have in a commercial business are just like we would like to make as much money as possible or you know either through Mm -hmm. growth or through spending less whatever it may be but like we want more money right whereas the government that's not really
1: what they do (laughs) right well they kind of i think they have the opposite uh they typically have the opposite paradigm like their budgets get reduced and then they have to kind of respond whereas Mm. in the in, in an enterprise organization you kind of deliver the opportunity to reduce the budget and then the budget gets reduced to kind of capitalize on that opportunity to increase margin right and i don't think margin and growth are the same you know you're kind of flipping them in government everything is constantly trying to be minimized um so i yeah I, i do see a fundamental difference there But they're not any, you know, they're not any more or less efficient as a result. I would say that, you know, they're, they are less efficient uh, because it's very, very wasteful to just like cut budget and then see what, you know, see what happens, what happens, right? (laughs) Like, let's just cut the budget and they'll figure it out. Like, that's not, that's a very, I think a very counterproductive way to drive performance improvement.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 so so then, you know, we, we've uh, uh, been very abstract here, thanks to my meandering. But like, like, what, what I is, the meander. What, what is, let's go over like what value is in this context, right? And, you know, you mentioned, we've mentioned a few things here and there, you know, top and bottom line revenue and making money, blah, 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 those things. But like, what's a, what do you think about and what has been the practical meaning of value in in the work that you've done over the years?
1: I I think that you know value is one of the least understood things in the in the technical world, but even in the business world, you know we kind of abstract it. Well, maybe maybe we don't abstract it, but we kind of proxy it behind metrics, right? Mm. Um, But I think it's helpful to think about a couple of things. First of all, like you don't ever define value, right? Like value is uh, evaluated by the recipient. So this I, I think is one of the fundamental things behind like deliver fast, give fast feedback because everything up to the point of delivery is expected value, like an assumption of value. And that reconciliation of like, post delivery utilization um and then feedback is ultimately you know the opening the schrodinger's box and finding out if the cat's alive or dead right so the <laughs> this is i i love conversations like this cuz i will go like i'll go really abstract but i'll i'll, I'll try to rein it in the The thing that was really helpful to me was thinking about it across three dimensions, like value to customers is one thing, probably the most important thing to the business. Um, but there's also value to the organization in terms of longevity, resiliency, sustainability, capability, scalability, all these things that enable the business are also valuable, right? Um, because they enable that customer value or they support it. And then there's value to contributors, which is, you know, a, an understanding that you can't do any of that stuff if you're not providing value to the folks who are actually doing all the work. And that's, mm. you know, that goes beyond monetary compensation, right? It's It has to do with personal development and positive feedback or constructive feedback, useful feedback, uh, meaningful work, all that stuff. So thinking about, you know, one of the things that I did soon after starting to map value streams was I started mapping out outcomes, like trying to understand what are we actually trying to do? Because a lot of cases we go in and we'd, start to map a value stream. And then it's very hard to decide what to do if you don't know the ultimate purpose or the goal of doing doing the work. So after divine defining a target outcome, we look at like, what are the benefits of this? What's, what is this actually going to do for customers, for the business and for individual contributors? And that's really clarifying. It's really helpful because just having a target outcome doesn't necessarily help you make the decisions as you're navigating towards it as much as understanding the value from these three different dimensions because they kind of act as guardrails for you to stay on course As you can consider well okay if we do this yes it's valuable to customers but we'd be significantly sacrificing margin which is unsustainable or this is going to be great for customers but we're it we're going to hate doing it so ultimately <laughs> right. that's going to work against us
0: yeah yeah you know i th- those are I, I like the idea of like it starts with uh whoever the user customer whatever it is right and like that does seem that 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 is that does get confused a bit <laughs> in talking about value and software and then yeah and then rightly so like that's why you want to get it in front of them as soon as possible because you kind of have no idea what's going on and until well that's that's not accurate you need feedback you need to test mm-hmm. out what uh what what people uh like or not And it, and it also does seem like with those with those three angles you can or those three perspectives mm-hmm. you can also like there, you, you can kind of get over one One of my least favorite things in, in all this kind of work is like, is like constantly asking why, why are we doing that? Right. What's the goal of this? The why? And, and let's, I, I even, you know, there's this phrase that like puts my, uh, uh, the back, the hair on the back of my neck, like on edge where someone's like, let's take a step back and ask why we're doing it. It's just that <laughs> every time I hear st- take, a, take a step back, I'm like, oh, this is going to take a long time. Right. But like it, it, it it's like. It's a different approach to answering this why question, right? And I think maybe what, what irks me so much about people asking why is I feel like they're just trying to come up with an excuse that I create to not help me, <laughs> right? Like, and And versus, well, let's make sure we're doing something valuable, right? Like you right. do want to do something, but I'm not questioning if you should be doing that thing in the first place. Instead, we need to figure out like across these three... To use another loaded term, stakeholders. Right? Like, is this going to be good? Right? And right. Uh, so it's 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 better than just one single metric of value. I guess.
1: I, I think, and it's this is a tough. It's a tough domain because, you know, the the dominant narrative I think is really confusing. You know, a lot of people think about direction and purpose. Uh, and they think about, um, you know, start with why, right. They start with what's the, what's the big idea or what's the reason for all this stuff. But I don't think you can even get to that unless you have a vision, like unless you have a, what, unless you have something that you're actually heading towards, then you can't really measure like, is this the right thing? Is this like, one of the things that we did with outcome mapping was we changed whys to benefits because why is just, you know, it's it can be very abstract and very difficult for people to think about, but benefits right. is a lot clearer, right? And so if you think about benefits to these stakeholders, um, you're framing it at a positive, but also like more concrete and tangible Mm. Dimension that's much, much easier to talk about. And I think that's, that's, that's something that's really powerful. Like cause cause value is, you know, it's, it's very difficult for people to talk about, you know, it has this temporality to it. It has subjectivity to it. Uh, it is not very helpful. So if you're, if you're thinking about a target outcome and then the benefits of that target outcome, um, then I think you're way ahead and it's much easier to meet people where they are rather than hope that they understand value before you can have a constructive conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like the, uh, in, in, in the, the Ted talk version of what why means that, that why is like what you discover. It's like the last thing that actually comes up on the table and you kind of reverse engineer it. It it, it doesn't seem like, you know, Many people at the start of their enterprise, so to speak, have sort of like a mission in mind. It's more as, as you kind of were saying, they have, they have benefits or a product or an outcome or, or, you know, to, to, to borrow the term, like they have sort of like this flow in mind that they want to establish. Like, you know, I want to own a coffee shop. The why is because I like it. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) You're right. I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, over time, what you, you need, you need the why to be increasingly powerful.
0: It's like more like a reminder, maybe. Uh, I I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. As a, you know, as a guard, as, as a, like as guardrails, but also I think as a pull mechanism, right? Like as something that Mm, is motivating to people and, and catalyzing and, and kind of like inspiring to people. But like, you know, Apple computer didn't start with think different, you know, like Nike didn't start with it's like marketing strategy. And you know, the difference between a marketing strategy and what you're actually doing is usually pretty, pretty dramatic. Uh, and if you're lucky, you can narrow the gap over time, right. Between aspiration and actual achievement. But I don't think it's very helpful to kind of hold people to these abstract terms to try and figure out whether they're, they're going in the right direction. But I do think that, you know, the, the why benefits can be really good as a test. Like I think of them as a test for the target outcome. It's like, Oh, we want to do X. So, okay. What is, why is that important essentially? And if you can answer that well, from all those different perspectives, then you might have something. So, so let,
0: let's, let's, you know, wrap up hopefully with, with a very practical thing. So, you know, using your time box inspiration, let's, let's say, uh, let's say I person in an organization, I've got an, I've got an hour, right. And, uh, I don't know, I found a, 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 a an empty whiteboard and some markers and, you know, just me alone or this person alone, mm. like what, what could I do that would kind of get me like a value stream up on the board right and and you know using again that word like because this will get like visibility into like what is going on mm-hmm. <laughs> right like like what what's what's something like how would someone get started with that such that they'd at the end of this hour or so they'd be like oh now i can do something like not to complete something but like i'm left with more action about actionality I don't know what that means. I, <laughs> I, I'm le- yeah, I'm left with more cap, you know, capability to do something th- than I was earlier.
1: I would say, you know, I I used to go right to the value stream map, and I think you can do that if you have clarity amongst everyone involved on why you want to what the purpose of mapping the value stream is right what are you hoping Mm. to get are you hoping to increase quality are you hoping to increase throughput um value added time like you can use a value stream map for a lot of different things but there's no real value in just mapping a value stream sure uh compared to you know having a purpose for doing it because you know, if you sure you'll find stuff, but it might not be the most important thing. And you might get distracted by what you find and you could have a completely more valuable target um, that you're not serving by being distracted by what you find in the value stream map. So I would suggest doing an outcome map first, which is why I start, you know, Mm. I, I always start everything with mapping an outcome because it's, that's actually quite actionable. So if you, uh, the basic structure of an outcome app, the way that I do it is um, this acronym OBON. So outcome benefits, obstacles, next steps. And if you zero in on a target outcome, like we wanna go faster or we wanna eliminate waste very simply, those are you know not super specific, but they're specific enough. And then you yeah, think about the I, benefits. I think they're also well-known and understood. Yeah. Most theory. people know what that looks like, roughly. Um, so that can be a great starting point. The obstacles is another thing that we don't think about very often, right? Um, but they increase that actionability by understanding, you know, what are we going to trip over if we just start running in this direction, and then next steps can be anything from value stream mapping to a survey, to interviewing people. Um, so that kind of creates options, but also focuses those options on action, like on actually doing something. Uh, and you could take that and, and go and map a value stream or do any number of other things. But it's, you know, it's probably not true that, you know exactly what to use a value stream app for unless you've kind of thought about those things first
0: yeah now that makes sense and then also as you were as you were mentioning right it seems like i mean you you know much better than i do with much more first-hand experience but like one, one of the great values of a value stream is all of the people involved and just sort of like having them share in that moment (laughs) and, and, you know, kind of the, the seeing what's going on there. Whereas like, you know, if only one person knows the value stream, that's of limited utility, unless it's a one person organization.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. But I mean, to, 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 you know, to really address your question, if you're one person, you could probably very quickly do that outcome mapping stage. And then to, to speak to the, the value stream mapping itself, the fastest way is to actually work backwards from Mm. the delivered value in a case that has already been delivered. So think about something that happens pretty often in your organization. Like you don't want to take a one-off occurrence and try to map a value stream because there's probably not much of a stream there. But if you're talking about a release process, for instance, go from, Customers are using the new feature that we just released and then work backwards from, okay, what happened to make that happen? And what happened to make that, that happen? And you get the, the structure and then you add timing to that structure. So you say, how long did each of these stages take and how long were, were we waiting between the stages? And that's kind of the right. simplest representation that gives you a lot of information and you probably have something pop out. That's, that's very clear and very actionable. Right, right. And,
0: but, you know, and, and then, I mean, as you were rightly saying, you don't want to have a uh, gratuitous optimization, <laughs> right? Like you need to have a, a, a reason to be doing that. But, but no, I, I think that that's exactly what, what that that's perfect in the sense of it's to boil it down, just do a value stream of something that already happened. And instead of like, because you can also just do a theoretic one, right? Like what would it yeah. take to do this or, you know, whatever, but just like think back on some process that already happened and just map that out. And then that's what you can do for your hour break,
1: <laughs> right? Like, it yeah, you can do that perfect. really quickly. And it's, you know, it is this kind of very comfortable retrospective activity. Um, and it's very productive way to run a retrospective so like you could do it in your next your next retrospective like you can work backwards from okay well we delivered these things in the sprint how did it happen and then you can find okay well where was where did it feel really difficult and where do we feel like we spent the most time and that can be super productive yeah
0: all right well great well this this was uh this is fun i think i think i have a uh, uh slightly more precise and delightfully confused notion of waste and value and all these things. (laughs) Like, I think, I think that, you know, to, to use the old silly joke, right? Like the, 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 the more confused I, I feel about things, the more I feel like I understand them, but just because you have all the angles and nuance. So, so that was great. But like, so if people are interested in, uh, looking into more of this stuff, seeing what you're up to, where, where would you send them?
1: Uh well I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn so you can find me on on LinkedIn uh or if you know if you search value streams anywhere hopefully I come up um <laughs> I do have a, I just put it, put, putting the finishing touches on a book called Flow Engineering that's going to mm. come out through IT Revolution so you can take a look at that on their website and um yeah I'd love to talk to anybody about waste and value and flow in in big complicated environments that's my favorite thing to talk about
0: yeah no clearly it's yeah no it's it's a good topic the uh figuring out how big systems work and don't work is always uh fascinating as you were kind of alluding to earlier well well great well if you've uh, listened this far you've been listening or watching to another tanzu talk episode if you go to TanzuTalk.com, you can hunt down the show notes or if you're watching a video i'll put some links down below things mentioned. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Thanks.